Hello, hello. Welcome back to the CTO studio. I, of course, am your host, Nikolai Walker. I am in my favorite seat doing my favorite thing. And I am in studio today with Casey Kleindienst. This is our final interview, sadly, uh, but hopefully we will have him back. He is the director of supply chain management. And as such, it is only fitting that I have to ask this question. Casey, can you please tell me what, why during 2020 and the outbreak of COVID did we run out of toilet paper? Like, what is that madness all about? Because when people stayed home, they stopped using institutional toilet paper at schools and places of employment. They used their own. And, and then, and the toilet paper industry was built to make supply equal demand. So when the demand shifted from institutional use to domestic home use, that toilet paper, there was no supply for it. The the part of the toilet paper industry that was making institutional toilet paper could not be used in the homes because the rolls were like this. And so so they had an excess of warehouses full of institutional toilet paper, and they were out of household toilet paper. That's why. And then once you, and then, then once you have a perceived uh, scarcity, then all of a sudden the, the domestic demand, you know, went up by a million. And then that just did it. That just killed it right there. And it took, and then it, so it took time to, to those toilet paper factories to start gearing up more, towards the domestic toilet paper and then people relaxed a little bit. But so it wasn't just, see, see, everybody blames the hoarders, right? Oh, look at those hoarders. And it was like, that was like the worst thing you could be was a toilet paper hoarder. But they didn't, they didn't understand the root cause of where this thing, uh, where this thing came from, you know, and the toilet paper hoarders were, were acting precisely the way they should have <laughs> the the but here was the here was the 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 what we call it the uh, the the, ch- the the cherry on the ice cream is when when they tried to take the toilet back to the markets when they were full vans of toilet paper they were just told you own it you keep it <laughs> and all those guys they couldn't take the toilet paper back <laughs> they got a garage full of toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, what what this must have done to the grocery store supply chain must have been off the charts. I heard a theory that um, the toilet paper crisis was due to, in all the Hollywood movies, when there's a zombie apocalypse, people go purchase toilet paper. And you know, I didn't have any theories at all. I just went to the store to to buy anything, including toilet paper and, you know, sundry items. And I was shocked and floored with the level of our own humanity. You know, I was just like, I can't believe that we as people are not considering the next person. We're so caught up in buying something for ourselves that it's like the other guy. So it was a very dark moment for me. (laughs) But thanks for breaking that down for me, Casey. That does help a lot. But listen, they were out of everything else. However, they had substitutes. Now, I remember, you know, going and I wanted some canned products. Right? And I was stuck with what was left. 
But what's there's no substitute for toilet paper? Um, the napkins were gone. The tissues were gone. And toilet paper was gone. All, th all three of those disappeared with the toilet paper. And then, um, and that's, there's no substitute, you know. Not like going down a, a canned food aisle. I mean, I was buying stuff I didn't necessarily want, but it, if that's all I could put in my pantry, that's what I ended up buying. Yeah, because with uh, an even hygienic uh, wipes, you could make your own by alcohol and... Yeah, but m meat disappeared. It was really um, hard to get beef. And uh, but pork was there no matter. I don't know. It's a funny society. But I didn't realize how beef centric every, this this country is, because I had no problem buying pork because Gladys and I eat. We eat ribs, we eat chops, we eat all kinds of pork, we eat bacon, you know, and uh, and we didn't think twice about it, you know, so we're going to eat pork more because all the hoarders took the beef. But, you know, if I look in the stores now and they're always out of something, but they're substitutes. So the supply chain isn't fixed yet. Um, uh, but but there's enough there that I, I you know, oh, you don't have that. I'll, I'll take someone else. I don't care. Yeah. But it's it's. Uh, there's the warehousing. It, it, there's no warehousing anymore. There's no warehousing. You know, these these grocers don't have, like, warehouses. I think the biggest warehousing is Amazon. And Amazon has a pretty fast um, turnover, too. And they don't carry anything. You know, if if if, uh, if, there's, if they're holding third-party products and they're selling third-party products, they charge rent on that, that space. So that if you don't sell, you're going to pay for that space. So they experience a high turnover in their business too. That's how they make money. And so everybody's, you know, so supply chain oriented, and uh, and it's got this fragility around it that that um, it can break, and then we're we're screwed. So I got I kept a minimum of ten cans of tuna just in case it got really bad. So I think I'm down to six or something like that. The big, big, the big jumbo cans. Yeah, I was, I'm always good for a tuna sandwich once in a while. So. <laughs> you know what, Casey, me too. I'm always up for a good tuna sandwich. Yeah, man-made. This is a man-made disaster. This is, this isn't, this is not natural. This is a laboratory experiment gone south. <laughs> intentionally this is an attack on the free world by by the communist chinese party hey the guy wanted to know uh this morning he wanted to know what i meant by experiment and um it's good we didn't go down that that path i'm glad you changed the subject in an instant because i wasn't about to engage him anyway so um that's why i, I was a little um a little reluctant uh, to say too much. I said too much. And uh, I know it's a real sensitive um, subject. I was in many conversations over the last three, four months, and I've, I've come to contemplate what, what constitutes a conversation that people can't have versus one that they can. 
And I, I find it to be very interesting how heated and upset people get so quickly. That makes, um, that makes it really hard to have discourse um, because one person has an interpretation of events that does not align with another person's system of beliefs. And instead of it being a... Uh, and this doesn't apply to this morning, I'm just talking in general... Um, Instead of saying, wow, that's interesting, uh, you're saying it's an experiment, I don't get it, you're saying it's intentional, I don't agree with that. Well, okay, so let's talk about it, let's, uh, let's agree to disagree, let's challenge each other's assumptions, let's just have a conversation about it, but it seems like that is unacceptable. It's, it's, everything is charged, heated. And, and it makes me sad that we can't – I know what happens for me personally is fear. I feel afraid. I feel when, when someone – when I have to stand up for something I believe in that I know is going to challenge someone else's beliefs, I feel fear. So mostly because I think I'm a people pleaser. I mean, for my, I have my own reasons – but I'm also a blunt South African, and for me it's like, well, let's poke the bear or let's poke holes in each other's assumptions and let's just enjoy the – let me be open to having my perspective changed. And if that doesn't change, then there's nothing to be afraid of. Everything's cool. Um, but I think as a community organizer, as someone for me who, who runs many, many group conversations, my fear is that it will destroy the group. Yeah, that's healthy. I think that's a healthy fear. You know, as a, a commander of the VFW in Mission Viejo, um, I'm sensitive to that too. I'm really, I, I think only in a leadership position do you, um, do you see everybody equal, that, that there are good guys, bad guys, that we're responsible for the crew. And anything that's going to, that's going to cause them to attack each other, we're not going to do. We're not going to do. It's not a matter of who's right or wrong. It's the, it's, it's, we don't want the attack. We don't want that conflict because we already know it's not going to lead to anything productive. I'm just, I'm the same way. I, you know, I, I, um, if I'm on the, if I'm, you know, sitting in the member chair, you know, then I, you know, I throw bomb out there, but uh, but not a leadership position. You know, because the whole is more important than any individual. And 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 if you subtract this, the you know, kind of the charged subject, these are still decent people. There's nothing wrong with these guys. And I'm talking about what we're talking about, um, but. But the, it's it's charged because there's a because there's some attach there's 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 this wrong attachment that my truth is my my belief is true and your belief is not true and and I'm a good person and you're a bad person and so if you're a bad person then I can never get along with you so that's attached to this contentious subject is this morality of of the other 
you know? Right. Or I think you're a, a bad person for what you believe, or I think you're an evil person for what you believe, right? Yeah. And if you're bad, that means that I, that I, I should destroy you, right? If you're evil. If you're evil, I should destroy you. But that's uh, but but that's what I uh, that is my rainbows and unicorns desire for seven CTOs is that we can have pretty heated. Well, not the emphasis isn't heated. The emphasis is contentious topics, you know, diametrically opposed views, but still have. A discourse that doesn't require you to withdraw yourself from the process in order to stay true to yourself because I think that's what people do is they remove themselves from well I cannot be associated with this or you or that and and it's it's I, I don't think it's a simple solution but I, I think it's, it's it's sad when um, when when people start removing themselves from those conversations yeah, it all started with political correctness. You know, that was the first time that, that, that censorship came into the language and that you couldn't talk or say certain things. Well, why can't I talk about Why can't we have a, an honest conversation without you scolding me for using the wrong word? That's what you're seeing here. And and that's why I, I don't see a reconciliation right now um, to have discourse, I think, because each side views the other as being uh, existentially harmful. You know, so so it's it's like. It's like, how, how, how do you want to live in this village? Do you want to live where everybody has a say and a voice? Or do you want to live with the, the village ruler and we're going to have a dictatorship? You see, that's, that's what I see here. And here's the, here's the only thing that's going to bring us back together. Here's the true, the true object that's in the way of Marxism fully taking this country over, and that's uh, Jesus Christ and God. God is the enemy. The statues didn't get pulled down because of the statues. The statues got pulled down because of what they represent. And when they started pulling the saints down, like, you know, Unipero Sarah, he's the guy that started the missions in California like 400 years ago. When they pulled his statue down, it wasn't because they didn't like him starting the missions. It's because he represents God. And God and Marxism can't exist in the same space because Marxism relies on the state uh, being the authority for human behavior and, and, and Christianity or Judaism or any religion relies on a transcendent being as being the authority of human behavior. That's the conflict. So how how is that? And you know, and I don't think that the nihilists, you know, future Marxists, um, are ready for a, a you know a missionary. <laughs> they already know about God and they hate him. Well, 
Well, as the band Tiny Stills says, everything good eventually hurts, and sadly, this is hurting because this is the end of our segment with Casey Kleindienst. Hopefully, we will have him back. He is the Director of Supply Chain Management, and he is currently a professor at Cal State Fullerton. So do go check out his LinkedIn uh, for more information about him and his orthogonal thinking. Now, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, please subscribe to this podcast available in iTunes. Do go check out 7CTOs.com. And as always, we will see you next time with another interview.